Hey everyone, I know you've heard me speak about microdosing and how much I love it. And I'm talking about microdosing THC. I love it. And that's why I love our sponsor, microdose.com. Microdose gummies are incredible. They deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. And when I mean just the right amount of good, I mean in so many situations, anxiety, sleep, focus, pain, relaxation. There are so many different strains and they're really helpful. And I have recommended microdose.com to so many people. And you know what they say to me? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Don't be afraid of microdosing. Go to microdose.com and you'll learn all about microdosing THC. These gummies feel amazing. They taste amazing. I have used them to get me into the zone I need to write. I've used them at night after a stressful day or a stressful show to relax. I have also said to family members, please take a gummy right now. And they've said, oh, good idea. So check it out. Check it out because they're fantastic. And I'm not like a big weed person. I mean, I used to be. And I do enjoy, I do enjoy weed every now and then, but I love, I love these gummies and I take them with me everywhere. So check it out. Don't be afraid. They're all natural. They're fantastic. And you deserve it. So what are you going to do? You're going to do something that is fantastic. You're going to get 30% off your first order. 30% off. That's a lot. Plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Use promo code Judy Gold, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D. It's available nationwide. They deliver it to your door. That is microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold for 30% off and free shipping. Do it. Go to microdose.com, promo code Judy Gold. You deserve it. You deserve it. And you know what else? You're welcome. Well, I don't see the point in waiting any longer. Let's bring her out. The star attraction, the one you came to see. Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Ms. Judy Gold. There's a story, uh, 1977, uh, Steve Allen and David Brenner on, and you're waiting for John Belushi to show up. Oh, well. Yes. And, and, and Michael, and Michael O'Donoghue. Was ah. Yeah. So what happened was we were doing a show on comedy and mm-hmm. we had the guests who were booked were the guests you just mentioned, David Brenner, uh, Steve Allen, Michael Donahue. Uh, John Bellucci was not booked on that show. Right. We had never tried to book John Bellucci. He was at the, at the zenith of his stardom on Saturday right. Night Live. It's 1977, right? The night before the show, I do this in my off-Broadway show, Confessions of a Talk Shows, I explained some of the ways you get great guests are not necessarily through the te- through booking them. Right. Them. I was at Studio 54, it was about 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning, dancing with, I don't know, Lucy Arnaz, dancing around with somebody. And all of a sudden, I'm dancing with Bellucci. 
he's dancing. And I, John Belushi, Bill Boggs. And I'm like, ah, I'm dancing. And he says, come on, tell me who's on the show tomorrow. See if you can remember. So I said, okay, we got uh, Michael Donahue. And he goes, oh, great, yeah. And we got David Brenner. Man, man, David Brenner. We got Steve Allen. He stops dancing. You got Steve Allen? Yeah. I love Steve Allen. He's my hero. He's my comedy hero. I'll be watching. Quick thinking. Wait, you don't have to watch. Why don't you come and be on the show? So he takes out, great idea, great idea. He takes out this little stubby pencil. Here's my number. Here's my number. Call me tomorrow. What time are you on? 11.30. He says, call me at 9.30 and keep calling no matter what. And I take the number. So I waltz into the office the next day. Bellucci is going to be on the show today. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I met him. Oh, another night at Studio 54. No, he's going to be on. So 9.30, I call. Ring, 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 ring. Nothing. 9.45. Ring, 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 ring. Nothing. Oh, shit. Now, come on, Bill. He's not coming. Okay, 10, 10.30. I'm almost... Quarter to 11, I'm ringing, I'm ringing, fuck, I'm going to let this thing ring, 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 ring. Hello, John, it's Bill Box. Oh, fuck it, what? John, it's Bill, fuck it. John, Steve <laughs> Allen. Oh, all right, I'll be there. <laughs> so about 20 minutes into the show, Bellucci comes crawling across the floor like a lizard. Crawling, no, crawling. Crawls up onto the set and slithers into a chair. And uh, there's a little bit of tape on this on the Bill Box TV. He ended up pushing over a table, water flying in all directions. It was like hell's a <laughs> It was great. I, I'm going to tell you something. I I rarely have told this. And after after it was over, he says to me, "What did you think of that?" I said, "That was great." He said, "You're going to remember this a long time." And here we are telling that. Oh, story. that's unbelievable. Yeah, he said, "You're going to remember this a long time." Ugh. Who was your guest when you oh, fell asleep well, on your own show? I, uh, I fell off my stool. Um, I had been at Studio 54 almost like until 3, 3.30 in the morning, one night. I didn't do that every night, but and it really would take a toll. You know, you had to then go right. rest. Even though you're young, it still takes a toll. So I guess I probably was out. Oh, geez, I mean, until at least daylight, right? I get home. I get about 40 minutes sleep, duty. And I have to get up and drag my ass into the studio. We're doing a 90-minute show, Modern Medical Advances. Shit. 90 minutes live. Segments like you and your spleen, understanding eczema, new <laughs> pronouncements on podiatry, right? And I'm using all my strength, all I want. And I have a hangover. Right. There's like a nine on the Keith Richards hangover scale. I am like, my head is like splitting. Midway through the show, this dentist comes on, and I'm, and and Judy, I'm not going to do the whole bit. It's part of my bit that I do in Confessions of a Talk Show, but it was the way the guy was talking. I'll start it like this. I'm sitting there. Thank you for having me on your show, Bill. It's so wonderful to be with you <laughs> and tell all of your wonderful, lovely viewers about frontiers of dentistry and as this guy is talking literally i feel this warm soupy feeling over no way oh no and that's part of the story i fell off my stool <laughs> the last words i remember were he says that last words i remember were dental implants <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that's fucking oh. hilarious. Um, that happened. I'm, I'm picking all these people. I uh, David Bowie. Oh, well, yeah, David Bowie is a good story. Midday Live with Bill Boggs. Uh, one of the producers was like sort of afraid of rock stars. Right. I, I love I love music and I love rock music. So we had the David Bowie story. Um, let me I got to bring in. the Oh, yeah. OK. The David Bowie story also features uh, Ruth Gordon and her husband, Garth and Garson Kanan, right. actress and a writer. So. We can't have Bowie on the show. He's going to go nuts. He's going to break up the set. I said, no, man. He's just on to promote an album. Oh, no. It was Elephant Man. He was on the Elephant Man. Oh, album. right, right, right. That's right. He's going to be fine. No, I'm afraid of it. No. I said, calm down. Calm down. So David Bowie comes on, and this guy is wearing a gray pinstripe suit, silk gray tie. He looks fabulous. He's every bit the gentleman. He's debonair. He's smoking a cigarette talking. And he's wonderful. The next segment of the show, we have these octogenarians, Ruth Gordon and Garson Kanan, her husband. Right, right? right. Now, you would figure they're safe guests. Right. They, they have just come from the Cirque restaurant. This is an <laughs> afternoon celebrating her 80th birthday and they right. are completely blotto drunk. They're like wrinkled bobblehead dolls. Oh, that's hilarious. Oh, that's I know. It's true. That's fucking um so you had the cops who were looking for the son of Sam? Yeah, the son of Sam was a serial killer in New York and I don't know when, like 77. 77, yeah. So he and he I have a whole bit in my act about because his name was David Berkowitz, but he wasn't Jewish. So uh, and my mother would fucking my mother when they found him, when they found him and his name was David, my mother was fucking freaking out. Like, oh, my God, this is the worst thing for the Jews. They hate us. They're going to hate us more. And then two nights later, we're eating dinner. And she's in a really good mood. I said, what's up with your mood swing? She's like, "Uh, David Berkowitz, the son of Sam adopted. (laughs) <laughs> and so you know i uh, you know oh it's difficult to actually recall you know how scared the city was oh it was awful yeah um and i don't remember much about the interview but we had the cops who who, who captured them and they, i guess it was like sort of like a forensic interview discussing, you know, the leads, the clues, the notes that he left and things like that. He's still alive, right? He's still in prison. Yeah, he's still alive. (laughs) Um, You interviewed uh, Steve Rubell, who owned... Steve Rubell, together with his partner, uh, Ian Schrager. I never had Ian on the show, but Steve Rubell was on before Studio 54 opened, while it was on the air... After it closed, uh, just before they went to jail, he was on four yeah. or five times. Did you watch the uh, documentary? Uh, hmm? Did you watch the Studio 54? Oh, I, I haven't seen it yet. You've got to see it. It's so okay. it's fascinating. I thought, you, first of all, the other thing you did was, you know, socially, you were so ahead, ahead of your time as far as you had what they called transsexuals on. Oh, um, many, many, actually. The day, the day I interviewed Sinatra, after the interview, this is something I hadn't thought of in 30 years, Frank leaves, I walked him out to his car, and a half hour later, I did two segments with transsexuals that we that we were recording for a show. Yeah, we, 
uh, we, we, I, I had a show in North Carolina. I told you Southern yeah. Exposure. The while I did that for one year, I did a show called The Late Bill Boggs, which came on after Monday Night Football, which is late. Right. And on that show, I did really advanced stuff. We had transsexual. I had a couple of shows on transsexuals. I interviewed Christine Jorgensen, who was the first. Yes, first. Known, yeah. Uh, transsexual to have the operation who had been in uh, when had to go to Sweden right. for the op- operation. My mother worked at the Naval Depot with um, uh, uh, he, his name was Richard, and he was while not he didn't have the operation. What do you call him when you have the operation? He hadn't made the transition. Right, right. He, he was very much like a woman. Right. And he worked for the Navy. So I grew up knowing about my mother's co-worker, Richard, and stuff, but none of it ever. And no uh, judgment, no judgment. No, no judgment, no judgment. My, my parents were really not, my parents would be judgmental of bad behavior, but right. not ethnicities or sexual uh, proclivities or, or anything like that. So, uh, yeah, we did a lot of shows. We did a lot of shows. You know, one of the shows we did in North Carolina that we got in a little trouble for, I thought, you know, so much, this is say 73, so much conversation about marijuana. Everybody's smoking pop. Right, you know, right. It's like illegal. You can't do this. You can't yeah, do that. Yeah. So I said, tonight, we're going to investigate the effects of marijuana. We all know about marijuana, blah, 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 blah. And we have with us Joe Smith. Joe, I understand you like to smoke pot. And Joe, we have blah, 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 blah. So I said, what? Have you had any pot yet today? No. Here's what we're going to do. You're going to go outside and smoke this joint. And then you're going to come back. 15 minutes later and tell us how you feel. Right. I know. I know. I am still waiting to see somebody do that on television. That's great. Some will more light up, but I'm still waiting for somebody to do that. That's hilarious. As much as I really, we have good rapport because you bring out the part of me that is essentially the rebel. Everybody looks at me, I'm a straight guy doing this and that. Oh, no, no. I totally don't see you that way at all. The prior interview is is great. I mean, he talks about uh, about racism. You talk about censorship with him because they were trying to censor him. Yeah. And he turn, takes that conversation and, and talks about racism. And it's so... Prescient. It's so unbelievable. The same thing in the Little Richard interview. There's a there is an interview on Bill Box TV on YouTube with Little Richard. It's 33 minutes long, and we, he really gets into the discrimination against him. Little Richard was un, okay. He performed the night before. I went to see the show, and he's like his hands are like blazing on the piano. Right. 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 He's unbelievable. He walks in. By saw the show last night. He said, "Man," I said. You are really, really fast on that piano. And he's, he looks at me and says, eh, not as fast as I used to be, but I was too fast to begin with. <laughs> did you ever, when you went to Vegas, did you ever see Frances Faye? Never, no. Oh, uh, because she did the late, late, late show, and all those guys would come and be in the audience, and she would mock them. And she's gotten no, of course, no one gave a shit because she's uh, a woman.
Hey everyone, did you know that Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the United States with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the United States? And I'm one of them. You're listening to one of them. Fast Growing Trees has everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, house plants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and your space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever, forever. I just want you to know that I just got off a plane and I walked in my apartment. What was the first thing I did? is I came in and said hi to Avi, my fig tree. I'm telling you, and I have Yael, which is another plant, but Fast Growing Trees has changed my atmosphere here in my apartment. You don't need a lot of space, but they do have, you know, they have stuff for outdoor spaces. But I live in an apartment, and I'm telling you, Avi and Yael, yes, they're both Jewish names, Hebrew, the space looks so much better. And I just had a conversation with Avi. Like, I was like, I missed you. I love having living things here. It's very, very, I don't know, it's made this more of a home. It's the best. And Elisa has some too. And she loves them. And she talks to them too. But she got that from me. Anyway, check out Fast Growing Trees. You need to be around plant life. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code JUDYGOLD, J-U-D-Y-G-O-L-D, at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code JUDYGOLD at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code JUDYGOLD. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. You're welcome. This is my last question about midday. Sure, sure. Judith Campbell Exner, who... Oh, oh that's uh, a good one. That is the best story, and you're such a loyal guy. Okay, go ahead. Well, let me begin by explaining, I think it was 77, a woman named Judith Campbell Exner wrote a book about her uh, affair, her her simultaneous affair with the Chicago mobster, Sam Giacana, who at that point was dead, and JFK, President JFK, who at that point was also dead, and, and Sinatra, who was very much alive and had just done the show, and how Sinatra had introduced her to uh, JFK. I mean, JFK, is, I mean, it's actually went to her hotel, imagine, left the White House right. as president, went to her hotel for a little boom, boom, boom. Right. Anyway, so she wrote this, I get this book, I didn't book it, a producer booked it, and I take the thing home and I read it, I think, holy shit, that, no, this doesn't make Frank look good, yeah. and how do I know that this is true? Right. Now look, I'm going to say this, the years have proven this to be true. However, both guys are dead, and this could be like a national inquiry right. story. And but furthermore, I just had Frank on the show. Screw it. Why should I interview this woman? I'm not going to do it. So I go in the next day and I say, look, I'm not interviewing Judith Campbell. Eckford. She was only going to be on for like 10 minutes. We right. had a whole show. No, you got to do it nice. I simply am not going to do it. Cancel her. So they got all pissed off at me and they had Mark Munsky, the news director, um, 
interview her for that segment. Then I came back on the show. It turns out that Kay Gardella, the television reporter for the New York Daily News, happened to be watching Midday that day and saw this and wrote it up in her column the next day. Bill Boggs refused to interview Ruth Campbell Exner. Wouldn't you know? Wouldn't you know? The three days later at the midday office, I get a letter from Frank Sinatra, and I have it framed with a picture. He said, I think you showed great class in not interviewing the hooker with a PR agent. It should be more catching. Thank you, signed Francis Albert, which he only did. Wow. So look, the truth of the matter is what, what Judith Campbell Exner wrote was true. Right. I have no regrets about doing it. Right. I think that the host of a show should not be forced to do something he doesn't want to do. Right. I did plenty of stuff I wasn't that interested in, but to to be forced to do something and sit there you don't want to do. Right. No. Um, All right. So I I know that you interviewed Donald Trump um, and you also he's part of one of your books uh, as uh, I interviewed Trump for. Got what it takes. Right. Because, but he's the only one of the 44 people who answered the questions uh, by mail. So I never sat down and talked to him about right. that. But I've known him just standing around at parties, you know, since 1975. Did you ever meet Jeffrey Epstein? No, my very good friend, Dr. Bob Levine, used to work out next to him at one of the one of the clubs in New York. And, and right. I have no recollection of meeting Epstein. OK. What a creep. What a fucking piece of shit. Thank God that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Man, he wasn't adopted. All right. Anyway. <laughs> um, so uh, so I'm reading about you and, and I'm reading, you know, you produced Morton Downey Jr. Show. And yeah. as I'm reading about Morton Downey Jr., I'm like, he is Trump. He's Trump. They're the same person. Yeah. Um, I, was and then I see you saying yeah. Trump. And I was like, yeah, I yeah. mean, he's I'll a performance you. artist. He's it's all show. It's all for the show. And that's it. There's nothing to back. I mean, he was smart. Morton Downey Jr. is definitely smarter than fucking Donald Trump. But Morton Downey Jr. is very intelligent. But I'll, I'll give you my comparison. When Trump was uh, running in 2016 and and Downey for a while lived at, at Trump Tower, and I and and Trump really liked Downey because he liked being around hot people. Right. And Morton Jr. and Morton Downey Jr. had the fastest rise and fall in the history of television. Right. But the similarity is that there are some similarities and some differences. But performance artists, Mort was a person. When I was interviewed, when he died, I said, "There's a line in a Chris Christopherson song." Uh, partly truth and partly fiction, taking every wrong direction on that lonely road back home. Morton Downey Jr. would make up stories and completely believe them and and pass lie detector tests. And you would sit, I'd sit there, he's taking a lie detector test. I know he's lying and he passes a test. The more, I think O.J. Simpson did that. I think O.J. Simpson convinced himself that he didn't, you know, have the, have the murder. So I think that, that that Donald Trump will say almost anything and then and then believe it. But there's an aspect he Trump is a, an exponent of the power of positive thinking. Right. And that I read an Atlantic magazine article about that. And that can account for his saying 
in his head, right. there's no problem with the virus. Everything's right. going to, because if you think, if you right. say it, you think it's going then to happen. manifest itself. Yeah. yeah exactly. He's right. a it's fucking, he, I fucking hate him. I hate him. I fucking, but I mean, yeah. It, it, it's hard to, it's hard to say. I, I, I will say this. Uh, Unless the only thing you care about are Supreme Court appointees and God bless the decision and gorgeous made. I know. Right. Very good. No one in their right mind should be voting for this man. That's what I get. I can't talk to people like you're my relative. Like. How- Why? Why? I'm uh, sorry. I, and I, I, fucking Kavanaugh. How dare you? You're 50 whatever years old and you don't vote for LGBTQ plus like rights. And that should have been what we're talking about. The Supreme Court decision last week uh, uh, should have been a unanimous decision. How do you how do you possibly define legality of sex discrimination without defining sex? Right. Period. I fucking hate him. Um, Listen, let me tell you something. We got to dance in the streets. After this next election, we got this has to oh, happen. Have to there's no the way he's going to win. Is he going to win? I, I I feel that the I'm not confident in Biden. Biden appears shaky. I feel that, the, but the soul of the country right rise up. That's what I think. Yeah. All right. Before we talk about the book, okay. You said something. That's unusual. (laughs) uh, That I fucking love so much. Change is inevitable. Growth from the change is optional. Correct. And that's it. I mean, no. And what a way to look at life. It's so fucking great. It's that's such a great way to look at things because we can't control change, you know? You know, Judy, it's not easy to see your favorite pub on the corner close. It's not uh, easy to see the bookstore close. It's painful. And it doesn't mean that, it, that it's right. And it doesn't mean that you wish it hadn't happened. Right. But, and, and, and the actual quote doesn't really apply to that. But in your personal life, there will be changes. And someone will die. Someone will desert you. This will happen. That will happen. Change is inevitable in life and growth from that change is optional. The other thing that I, I have a place I go to, I've been there seven times in my life, Tivoli Garden in, in Copenhagen. And sometimes like 10 years will go by and I have a bench that I sit on and I think about the time that has passed since the last time I was there and how I feel now. And the last time I was there, it may be, in fact, it might be the last time I was there, this thought came to mind. There is an end to everything. You must face it and face it well. Right. You know, I think I was thinking about emotionally healthy. I can't take it. Oh, well, get Jane over here. I don't know. <laughs> I will say, I say to her, Jane, I'm a simple soul. Oh, yeah. no, you're not. <laughs> you know, I have to, um, I have to say oh, that. No. Did you call, did he call there, me? There she is. <laughs> I heard my name. Yeah. She's, oh, Jewish. Yes. She's Jewish. Jane. And my mother is exact same as you. Same. And I Meeting. learned from her. Meaning. He's Jewish. He's Jewish. Jewish. Yeah. Jewish. Half Jewish. Jewish. Half Jewish. Half Jewish. Married a Jew. Converted. Yeah. David Berkowitz. Oh, my God. Made oh, yeah. <laughs> the whole thing. Thrilled that he was an adopted. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Look, <laughs> Thanks. Okay. 
Yes. Uh, I have to say, Comedy Tonight, which you created, you you personally interviewed over 2,000 comics. Uh, audition. We auditioned audition. by about 1,800, probably. What did Eight, I say? You said 2,000. There's a lot of, we auditioned yeah. a yeah. lot of, you Richard, per- Richard Baker, Richard Baker and I, I never take full credit. We were great partners, Boggs Baker Productions. And we and, and our people, uh, uh, Mr. Messina, uh, Rick Messina, a couple other people auditioned like 1,500 acts. And, so. you know, it was brilliant. And it's, here's everyone, you know, stand-up was just beginning, just beginning to be this huge uh-huh. thing. And you're like, a strip show with three, con- that's so, first of all, it's inexpensive and it's great entertainment. Yeah, that's, that's no, I'm sorry, go ahead. Vetted, no, but you vetted the com- like no one vetted the comics then. It, you know, it, the way it was so amazing. And you gave this platform be, you know, you you have done comedy, you have represented comedians, and here you are making this like amazing platform for comics. It it was yeah, well, you know, I started my career with that comedy team right. we talked about. And the, the simple idea came from Richard Baker and I had a production company. We've done a lot of shows. We've done six or seven shows for MTV. We did Bobby Short at the Cafe Carlisle. We wanted to make a big score. So we were doing research and we found out that syndicators were looking for late night, inexpensive program. You nailed right. it, it's inexpensive. So we're trying to think of ideas. And one day in the New York Times, I read about this feature article. If I hadn't picked up the paper that day, the value of reading, very important. The explosion of comedy clubs across the country, that there were comedy clubs and strip malls in Milwaukee. Oh, yeah. I said, I thought if there are that many comedy clubs, there should be enough comedians to support. Right. A show. So comedy tonight. We had 450 comedians. We booked on that show. That's unbelievable. 121 markets. Yep. I have resentment towards social media because it gives everyone a platform. People who don't deserve a platform. It cancels people. You have basically said that, you know, cable was the slow death of the long interview. Um, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, MTV. It actually goes back to uh, it's a short attention span generation. MTV. Right. MTV ushered in uh, just quick bites. You know, two minute interviews, three minute interviews. Well, now we're at two hundred forty characters. I mean, it's fucking ridiculous. I know. Yeah, I don't do too much of that. Yeah. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow, or find an awesome template. No judgment. Your book. Thank you. Uh I, it's amazing. And everyone needs to read it. Well, you have to read my book. Well, you can read Bill's book first because mine doesn't come out till July 28th. Let me just say your book is, yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. Right. And my book is The Adventures of Spike the Wonder Dog as told to Bill Boggs. It's a 
social satire, a media satire, politically incorrect warning on the cover, which I did because I, with this book, I'm standing up for saying, let's laugh at each other again and let's not be yes. so goddamn sensitive. And I am been, it's a tough time to sell books, Judy. The book has great, gotten thanks. great. It is tough. I'm telling you I right know, now, I know, I know. the book has gotten excellent reviews and you got to really beat the bushes to sell your books. I'm hoping that you will tweet out a good word about the book. Oh, will, I will. Oh my God. Follow. But really it follows the arc of my career. And it's narrated by a dog in a way. It's like I was a ventriloquist writing this dog. The voice of the dog came through me, meaning that I was writing in a comedic voice that I had never delivered, never did on, on radio, never did on television, never did on stage. It was a new voice. And that's, as a fiction writer, something that happens when you're writing. But I, feel, I feel like when, you know, when you animate something or you delegate something to a character, you are you you have more freedom as in oh, far you know. You know, Pendulet uh, said, "If I got on a stage and started telling people what I really think about them and life and stuff like right. that, people would be so pissed off they'd leave." However, if I have a ventriloquist dummy with me right. and the dummy is being me, right? In a way, that's what happened with. Spike, who narrates the story, Winston Groom, the author of um, Forrest Gump, made into that big movie and everything, has said that Spike the Wonder Dog is fiction's funniest canine. There were a lot right. of dog stories out there. Right, right. This is the first one with a really funny dog, you know. Right. And it's it, it's in the genre. Genre. Family Guy. Right. It's, it's Family Guy. It's so, really, really it's so if you have a if. If you have a decent sense of humor uh, and you're smart and you're, you know, socially uh, aware, it's the fuck. It's a great book. It's Thank great. You. Thank you. It's available. Post Hill Press, The Adventures of Spike the Wonder Dog, available. Amazon, anywhere books are sold, it's available. And uh, I encourage people to get it and let me know what they think. They can get to me through their website. And I've had no pushback on, on the uh, – some of the boundaries that I, I may have overstepped. What? It's fucking ridiculous. That's it, good. I, I've had no It's great. It's so very- great because it's like, come on, everybody. You know, you, you've you been trying to shut people up for so long. And look what it's done. And look what's happening. Look what's happening in this country. You can't shut people up. No, I hope. When, first, obviously, I really do feel that social change is in progress. I do. I do, too. And with the pandemic, I hope that when we get through the pandemic and we've really dealt with something that has really been horrible, that we cannot maybe take ourselves so seriously. I can't take it. What the fuck? I know. You know, you were talking about, you know, all these shows that that your friends had written on. Those shows would never get on network TV today, ever. All in the family. The the episode of where Maud has an abortion. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it's true. I agree. Um, I, I I don't remember who. Oh, Kreskin. I was on his show. He said that some comedians have to submit a script in order to appear on a college campus. That's a new one. I told you that. I think. No. Well, Kreskin said the same thing. You. You, you, we, and I were talking about comedians who are not working on college campuses. Maybe yeah, but yes, some now they they either tell them what they can and cannot they cannot say. Or yeah. if they, 
They asked a script. Fuck you. Who the fuck are you to tell me what I can't? And who, what, what makes you the arbiter of, of what's correct? Fuck you. I, I cannot. This is, it's driving me crazy. Anyway. Yeah, it's, I'm, I am standing up for that with my book. I really am. I'm yeah. standing up for it. Period. It is. It's, and it's, yeah, it's great. Now, before we hang up, <laughs> um, okay. I always ask my 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 guests two questions. Okay. Okay, because we are pro mental health. So, uh, and I I suffer from anxiety and depression. You know, I'm typical comedian bullshit. But <laughs> you know, I've had I've had a bad depression. I mean, I'm on meds, and so we try to promote mental health. Because we want to break the stigma. What do you do to keep yourself mentally healthy? I mean, you're, by the way, you're like a philosopher. So oh, I'm really not. Well, uh, I said I, you are. Okay. I think. Have you ever taken antidepressants? I take, I always have with me uh, a Lorzepam. Me too, me too. I always have it with me. Right. Because if I have high anxiety about right, it. Right, right which happened to me yesterday. Uh-huh. I, I, in anticipation of this, of I, course. Yeah, I can control. Yeah, yeah. I'm very nervous here. Very nervous. More pills, more pills. <laughs> I, can, I can control the anxiety. However, what I do for the most part is, is I try to get a decent amount of exercise, Judy. I, Same. I swim uh, four or five days a week. And, you know, when you're swimming – it's like 40 minutes, your mind is going to places. And I, I don't find myself thinking unhealthy thoughts. A. B, I am blessed to have a really wonderful relationship, a really peaceful relationship. I live with Jane Rothschild, uh, known as Lady Jane uh, to a lot of people on the Internet. And she is a very cool, calm, healthy person. So I think – an aspect of mental health are the people around you. Right. You, it's, it's all, all is within, like Ram Dass said, all is within, right? So, but my answer would basically be, I can calm myself down through breathing. Yep. I suffer the same thing. I, I still have insecurities. I still have, uh, I, get, I get pissed off. I feel like I'm getting left out. I get pissed off. Why didn't the yeah. publisher do this? Why didn't they do that? I do the same thing because I your fucking job like how can you how yeah yeah that doesn't make me happy but i think if i had to answer it i breathing is crucial yes breathe but it you gotta really if you're really getting upset lie down and breathe right and focus on your breath yeah yeah follow the breath in slowly out and out slowly and that that's like an almost a no-brainer but it's true right how long have you been with Jane? Jane and I have been together 10 years. And that was number four, right? She's number four? Well, we're not married. It, w- it would be, but we're not right. married. We're, we, we live, we're like just a couple of hippies here in Palm Beach living out of a little apartment. We're That's hippies. so funny because, um, you know, Lisa and I are not married and everyone, when are you getting married? When are you getting married? When are you getting married? And, you know, I don't know. When I, we- I will say... Yeah, I've had bad marriages, and and when I met Jan, I said I don't want to get married again. But I am, I feel that I'm in a right. very good marriage. I would get married if there was right. a reason to do it. I, you know, I, I'm not that gun shy. I was ten years ago. Right. But peace and contentment. Let, let me say that you think I'm a philosopher. If 
in my last marriage, I there was a lot of uh, disrupt, disruption and, right. a, and a lot of tension. Right. And I would lie in bed thinking, I know I'm going to get out of this. It's not right. necessarily going to be easy. It's going to be painful. But when I'm out, peace and contentment, which I did not have, will be my right. goal. And I think if you make peace and contentment your goal and find yourself in a situation where several days in a row something is is distracting you from that goal, you have to change it. Peace and contentment is a goal to seek in order to help foster good mental health. Nice. I love that. Okay, here's the final question because, you know, my podcast is called Kill Me Now because I literally wake up and I'm like, oh, my God, kill me now because I can't. I hate incompetence. I hate I hate dumb people. I hate people who are not curious. What pisses you off the most? I need the one thing that makes you fucking crazy. Well, I have so (laughs) many things on my list. I made a list. I got a list of four. You have me back. I'll run down the list. Um, I could say something like man's inhumanity to man, but I want to do something on a more visceral level. Right. And that is honking of horns. Fucking drives me nuts. <laughs> Fifteen cars. There's a red light. Oh yeah, and then the light. Like a mild-mannered person gets into their car and they turn into an animal behind right. the wheel. I wear hearing aids, so sometimes the honking, I, I literally, right, I right. try to jump out of my skin. I mean, that is one of many things. Men kissing me. I don't like that. <laughs> That's one of the things on my list. Men kissing me. Wait, so, on the lamps or key or chip? I call these guys, it's never going to happen again because of the pandemic, the kissing friars. These guys that, hi, Bill, how are you doing? These lips coming to Oh, yeah. But you, you like, don't like you. Boom, boom, boom. But you don't mind boom. if a woman kisses you? Well, it depends who the woman is. First you know? of all, you're such a hetero. Okay. I yeah. am. I am. I know. But I, I don't mean, like it either. See? Now I'll, you see, you know what we feel like. Let me tell you what I don't like. I don't like it when there's a woman, maybe she's 5'7", and I'm six feet tall. Right. And she wants to kiss me. It's like, pulls me down. Right. <laughs> I think, honestly, the truth is, with the pandemic, I'm an affectionate person. If I never shake hands with another person in my life, I'll be happy. Yeah. Oh, here's one. Here's something that pisses me off, right? Men with hair growing out of their nose. Oh, and their, and their ears. Ears. Wait, wait. With their wife standing next to them, <laughs> talking to them, or you're at dinner with them. Right. And you're looking at these hairs coming out of the guy's I know. And you're thinking, what the fuck? Tell him. Right. Oh. I don't understand that either. I don't get that either. And I, I, shit in your mustache and shit, you know, like, ugh. And I cheap, cheap people. Oh, cheap people. don't even. I can't. That's it. Cheap people. You know, you had the salmon. I fucking hate that. You know. I fucking, I had the soup and I'm not paying for her alcohol. I fucking hate that shit. <laughs> oh, what else? Let's see. Oh, God, that's really funny. I, I love- hate when people, oh, what? go, go. In L.A., in, it's mostly in L.A., you go out to dinner with people and you're in restaurants. Men, really well-dressed women. That doesn't annoy me. I like that. And men in Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> Hawaiian shirts. You're in like the polo lounge. Right, right. Dressed like in a beautiful cocktail. Because the guy looks like he should be on the beach. Come right, on. right. That's- and they think that's dressed up. They think that's like, that. that's their, you know what's sad? 
That's their good Hawaiian shirt. That's their like, <laughs> That's terrific. Oh my. And then I must I must say this. This is something about women here, right? Yeah. yeah shrieking and oh my god. Shrieking. Now, can I read you something? Yes. All right. I'm, I had this out because I thought this is from the book. Okay. Right? They're on the street. There's a spike saying, uh, uh, we're having a lovely stroll, and I notice two Park Avenue women doing something I see all too frequently. I call these the oh my God women, right? A lady walking by is surprised as she sees another lady she thinks she knows. Eileen, Eileen, oh my God, she calls out. <laughs> is that you? Sharon, oh my God, Sharon. Eileen yells back at her. They walk toward each other. Then it happens. They go through this odd greeting ritual. You think it's weird that sometimes dogs smell each other's ass when they meet? What about this? First, Eileen and Sharon wave and yell more, oh my gods, oh my gods, as they approach each other. Once close, they momentarily stop shrieking, oh my god, rear back with their mouths wide open, their hands fly up by their heads, making them look like they're frozen people of Pompeii. Then over and over, it's, oh my god, Eileen, oh my god, Sharon, how are you? How are you? This is followed by, we have to get together. Oh, my God. Yes, we have to get together. <laughs> They're already together, standing there. This is where I get confused. Yes, we'll get together. I'll call you Eileen. Yes, call. We'll make plans. Oh, my God. This was great, Sarah says. <laughs> How come they didn't make plans when they were together? They walk off in different directions, each looking kind of happy. They hadn't wasted any more time. Oh, my God. And the other. <laughs> I love that. That's from the advantage of Spike the Wonder Dog. Yep. Yes. That's Spike's voice. <laughs> so you're fucking great. I love you. Thank you for doing this. Um, oh, thank you. Oh, such a pleasure. Did you just get on Twitter? No, I've been on for a while. Just okay. tweet out a word on the book. I'd appreciate that. I'll, and I will Well, you know I'll, I'm gonna. We have great rapport, honey. I don't know why. I don't. But it, it works. You're I know. Person. I love it. I'm a follower. I'm a follower of you. I'm, oh. I'm, you and Bill Maher. I don't follow a lot of people, but I'm Thank a follower. You. I believe in you. I believe Thank in you. you. Thank oh, Bill, you. Bill, you have to think positive thoughts because my day hasn't come yet and I need it to come soon because I can't with this fucking no working. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to part two of Kill Me Now with the wonderful Bill Boggs. If you like the show, make sure to subscribe and please leave a review. It helps more people find this amazing podcast and it is amazing. So that means you have to give me five stars only. That's the only review you can give me. Okay, thank you. Also, if you haven't had the chance to pre-order my new book, yes, I can say that when they come for the comedians, we're all in trouble. It's available for pre-order now and it will be released on July 28th along with the audiobook. Rosie O'Donnell says, Judy Gold warns us all what happens when they come for the comedians. She shows how urgent and critical it is that we, as comics, speak truth to power before it's too late. Yes, I can say that is funny and insightful, pure Judy. Okay? So that means you have to go get it. That's it. It would mean so much to me if you just check it out. All pre-order links are on the homepage of judygold.com or wherever books are sold. As you know, it is still Pride Month. So... Make sure to follow me on Twitter and Instagram for all upcoming virtual Pride events. Happy Pride, everyone. All of my dates are at Judy Gold at J-E-W-G-O-L-D, you know, like Jew Gold. Uh, That's how I am on Twitter. So uh, check me out. Just remember, 
Black Lives Matter. And Trump sucks. And as we always say, so long! And uh, everything was wonderful. I'll see you soon. Thank you for the visit. So long. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. <laughs>